Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. From Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, just four verses, 10 through 13. I'll read slightly from a different translation, the King James. I have a purpose in doing that this morning because there is a, a one verse that I want to particularly call your attention to during the message that is um, better understandable in, in another translation. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that ye may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that ye may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Let us pray. Our Father, as we look into your word, we pray that you would bless us in a special way. Those of us who love you and serve you, we pray that our lives would draw closer to you and if there's any in this congregation who are wayward, who have not settled their relationship to you, who are not saved, these, our Father, we pray for and ask thy blessings upon them. May they be willing to step out in faith to receive you as Lord and Savior this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm sure all of you have played tug of war. And you've been on one side or the other, and if you uh, lost, sometimes you ended in the mud or in the creek, depending upon what that uh, undesirable middle ground was that the losers had to suffer. But sometimes we have expressed ourselves in talking about a tug of war in our own life. And we would feel as if we are being nearly pulled apart. And we become that little ribbon in the middle of the rope of the tug of war that all the pressure is being put upon. There is, in fact, a war going on in this world, and Paul specifically refers to it in the words that we read and advises us then as a consequence to put on the armor of God. I did not read the section of the scripture dealing with that armor for it doesn't fit into the purpose of the message this morning. But we are to put on the armor of God for a reason and that is that we can stand or withstand that which the devil throws at us. And you can be sure that the devil is going to put us to the test 
whenever he has an opportunity to do so, and we will feel the struggle that is going on in our lives, for Satan entices us to go against that which we know God teaches. And you have all been faced with that problem of wanting to do wrong when we knew that God's teaching was to do right. When we've wanted to go to the left when God has told us to go to the right. When we've wanted to stay home when we knew that our place was in church and on and on we could go with the illustrations of that tremendous struggle that goes on inside. I particularly want to speak to young Christians this morning. That's the intent and, and purpose of the message. But as I speak, if you are a Christian have been one for many years, I think you can see certainly some of these same struggles that you even yet face. I know that I certainly do. There is a temptation at some point in a person's life when he begins to question whether his wisdom in becoming a Christian, whether he had wisdom in becoming a Christian, whether it would not have been better to have forsaken it all. And maybe now is the time simply to give up and say it's not worth the struggle. The struggle is too great. It's too tough. Some of you have expressed that very fact to me in past weeks that you had to face the question whether it was worth it to really be a Christian. I'm sure that you have, at least the ones that have made those statements to me I know have, or at least I feel they have, come to the conclusion that yes, indeed, it has been worth it. But there are many people who began that trek that we describe in the church as the road toward God, as the following of Christ, who become casualties along the way. And in the war of conflict between Satan and God, they fall by the wayside. And the reputation of this thing happening affects the church. Society looks at us as a body of people that they would surely expect to do that which they preach. But the world knows that all the people who claim to be Christian won't stick with it. And the world waits for the casualties in order to be able to say, see, I told you so, look at him, look at her, she or he just became a part of the church, they were just baptized, they said they believed in Jesus Christ, and now look where they are, right back where I knew they would go. A casualty. The Lord said we are in a battle. Paul described it very vividly as a fight we are soldiers of Jesus Christ and a soldier has a job to do he's in a fight Paul said to the Corinthians in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 he says I know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock 
to draw away the disciples. What was he talking about? Paul was saying, I know that after I leave, when he now had gone, after I've departed, the world is going to come crushing down upon you as a church for the purpose of drawing away the disciples. You can believe that that happens. When the world, with Satan as its influence, attempts to draw away the flock and come in amongst them as savage wolves and destroy and tear up that which the Lord has established. It is a struggle. and We all are faced with it. After the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples on the seashore where he had prepared some fish for them to eat after they had fished all night and caught nothing. And as they sat around that fire that night, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he asked him the second time, and he asked him the third time, why all of this questioning? There was nothing wrong with Peter's theology. Peter believed in Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He acknowledged the crucifixion and the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knew all of those facts. His problem was that he had not yet committed himself to that which he said he believed. This is the problem that you and I face oftentimes as Christian people that causes us to be pulled between two forces is that we have not really made up our minds completely and fully and committed ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ. We are too yet prone to be pulled by other forces. Therefore, we're in the tug of war. Because our lives have not been fully committed to Jesus Christ. Over in Revelation chapter 2, the Lord talks about remembering from where you had fallen, one of the churches. Remember that which you had. Remember your first love and return to it. I'd like for you to remember your marriage. The day that you got married. If you're not married yet, you can try to project what it might be like once you get there for a moment. And how that everything was perfect, the honeymoon was anticipated, and for some period of time, everything was lovely, and then you began to fall into the, the dull status of living. And whereas once you used to say to each other nearly every minute, I love you, 
or do something that would indicate that those things go by the wayside and men when was the last time you said to your wife I love you wives when was the last time you said to your husband I love you we began to fall away from doing those little things and it becomes dull and if we're not careful there comes a time in the lives of many people when they defect from each other. And it's primarily because they have lost that image of commitment to each other when they stood before the preacher and said, I promise forever and ever and ever to always love, honor, cherish, trust, and obey. And now then we don't want to put the word obey in, so that's okay. But we make some promises. And over a period of time, that commitment begins to wane. And in the lives of 50% of the people of the United States today, somebody out of that commitment decides it's time to defect. And we're not particularly talking about divorce this morning because there's much defection that goes on without being completed in divorce. There are many husbands that have already defected in their responsibility to the family even though they're still there there are many wives who have done the same thing and this is the problem that happens in the lives of Christian people when that image of our salvation begins to to grow cold and we forget that which we committed to the Lord Jesus that made it necessary for him to say to the church uh, at Ephesus in Revelation 2 remember from which you have fallen in other words remember where you were you fell from that position remember that and get back up there we as Christian people get into that category of falling by the wayside in our Christian life and have to be reminded from which we had fallen to return to that status of marriage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember your commitment. That's what I would say to you who are young Christians. Don't forget your commitment. And to those of us who are older, maybe it's time that we go back and remember the commitment that we made and renew our commitment. Jesus Christ. In war, there are always defections or defectors. People who run. And in the church, there are those who are defectors. People who run. Defection itself is a sin. Defection involves two things in one's Christian's, one Christian's life. I want you young Christians to, to understand this. I prepared this message several weeks ago, particularly to speak to young Christians. When one begins to wane in his commitment to the church and particularly to Jesus Christ, the quality of his Christian life suffers and the quantity of his commitment suffers. We do less and a poor quality of it. 
It's time to begin to question our lives whether or not we are defectors, whether we are allowing something else to take precedence over our commitment so that the rope begins to move and we uh, discover that we are being pulled in the direction of the world and we have forgotten that there is a force on the other side trying to pull us toward Jesus Christ and his service. The Lord gave us a parable of the sowers in which a sower went out to sow in his field and he sowed the seed it began to fall on different kinds of soil some on the pathway and some on rocky ground and, and some on good soil but some of it fell in good soil also but over a period of time weeds grew up and choked out the seed this is the thing that happens in the lives of a lot of new Christians and in the lives of us who are older as well is that we allow the weeds of life to choke out the gospel. You go out into this community and talk to the people who are members of this church or any other church who do not now go to church and it won't take you long to discover that they have, are not saying they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They simply have allowed the weeds of the world to choke out their life to the point that those things have become more prominent than the place of Jesus Christ. Young Christians, remember, if you allow the things of the world to become more important to you than the things of the church and the gospel, you are allowing the weeds to grow up and your life will be choked. And your testimony will be lost. I think it's time that we return to the fire. I'm very dissatisfied with the preaching and the teaching of lots of churches because the fire has gone out. Nobody is called to task. Nobody is reminded that their life of sin must be repented of in order to properly serve Jesus Christ. It's time that we get back to the source. It's time that we get back to the word. It's time that we go back to prayer. It's time that we get back into Christian fellowship. Now I acknowledge that being a Christian is difficult. <coughs> We've already stated this and I'll restate it. There is a tendency to revert back to the old life. Those of you who are young Christian, be careful. There is a tendency for you to go back to what you once knew. Very great tendency. This happens in the church. One of the greatest dangers in the church is that the church wants to accommodate the world. Listen, the church cannot accommodate the world. It must not. The world is interested in wealth. And if we're not careful, the church will be interested in doing nothing but gaining physical possessions. And we see many churches who have gone that way. 
the world is interested in lowering its standards and so the church comes along and says we will lower our standards accordingly to keep pace with the world when we start lowering our standards of Christian living we have allowed that rope to pull us towards Satan and away from Jesus Christ the world is interested in entertainment we're entertainment crazy people don't want to do things they want to be entertained that's one of the problems of a football game coach the people who really are getting the benefit of that game are those guys out there who are participating most of us don't want to participate we want somebody else to do it and let us take up sides and that's what happens in the church the church wants somebody to perform the church isn't interested in performing it wants to see somebody else do the performing that's the problem of television ministries I'll grant you that you could this morning could sit home in front of your TV and hear a better sermon than you'll hear from me you could hear better music than you heard our choir sing although they did a tremendous job this morning but listen there's an element missing in front of your TV that is present here and that is the communion of one Christian with another that's the love of Jesus Christ that we can feel in our midst and you can't get it across that TV I don't have anything against all those TV preachers although I think some of them ought to be strung up by their heels there are several of them that I think maybe ought to have that ought to happen too but television ministries are not bad in themselves because we do have the opportunity to spread the gospel and, and it certainly ought to be used but when the church is willing to take that kind of ministry and substitute it for that which happens inside these walls when Christian people get together it has allowed this rope to pull them again towards Satan when you were in school you probably had to learn the poem the rhyme of the ancient mariner if you can remember back that far if I remember right I had to memorize that didn't last because I don't have the slightest idea what it says now unless I would reread it again except I remember that in that rhyme the ship that was sailing had corpse to row and to steer the boat there was nobody alive on board they were all dead and what I see happening in this world today is that the church has begun to be the ship rowed by dead people because the church is not alive as it ought to be if you want to point some fingers I think we can easily do it we see churches 
all across our state and nation that cannot report a single baptism in a full year's period of time. Those of you who see the statistics of our own Baptist churches can recognize some of those. And I had one of those preachers say to me not too long ago, a man who spends full time in the ministry and in his church he had not baptized one purpose, one person in the whole year. And he said to me, that doesn't bother me any. Let me tell you it bothers me. Where is the life in that church if it is not reaching people for Jesus Christ? I grant you there might be some, some improvement in the lives of the Christian people and I say might be because I doubt that because the evidence of things happening in our lives will reflect in that which happens in people that we are touching and so we can start pointing fingers at the dead preachers in the pulpit we can point fingers at the dead deacons and other leaders of the church we can start pointing fingers at the dead Sunday school teachers and those three groups, I would say, are responsible for the death of the church. We're going to have to put live bodies in the pulpit and live bodies uh, before the congregation and live bodies in the Sunday school classes if we expect to have some kind of a ministry in the community. Yes, it's difficult, but we're in a war. And it's our job to fight on the side of the Lord. During any war, there are those who defect. George Washington discovered when he took over the commander-in-chief of the forces that he had a bunch of cowards on his hand and as soon as the first gun was fired, they all turned and ran. What I'm saying to you is many times we as Christian people, as soon as Satan shows his head and begins to cause us a problem, are going to turn and run. And the church has been running. And you young Christian people, I'm asking you to stand firm because you have on the armor of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you don't have to run. We're here to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to see people one to the Lord. We're here to improve our spiritual life. And it may be a battle. We may be pulled. But we're going to win. Because Jesus Christ is at the helm of our ship. Verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want you to notice, he did not say, be strong in the strength of your own might. He said, be strong in his might. To the church at Philadelphia, in the book of Revelation, the Lord said to that church, I have put before you an open door. No man can shut it. Sometimes we wonder about the future of the church in this country. We wonder if it will survive. But I'll guarantee you one thing. It will survive until the Lord comes. Because no man is able to shut the door of the church. 
no man. But let me say this, God can shut it. And God will. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Young Christian, you can remember that as you face the struggles of life. As you see the problems come and go in the church, the conflict of society against that which you've been taught in your home and in this church. As you see all those things, and you feel yourself pulled nearly to the point of breaking, you can stand firm on the words of Paul when he took confidence in Jesus Christ. He could do all things through Christ that strengthened him. He said to put on the full armor of God that you can stand firm against, King James says, the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle isn't with each other. Our struggle isn't with the community. Our struggle isn't with society. Our struggle is with Satan. Because he tries to pull us away from the purpose that God has established us for. Hold firm. Stand up for what you believe. Make your life count. And you'll be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.